Welcome back to Like to Know It Influencer Radio. I'm your host, Amber Vinsbox. Today we're in New York City at Fashion Week, sitting down with the one and only Tezza. Tessa Barton is an artist in every sense of the word. She's the ultimate cool girl, sitting at the intersection of music, photography, and now the world of influence. On this episode, we'll dive into how years behind the camera and a love for composition ultimately became the catalyst for her creative transition into influence. In an industry where technique is often kept a secret, Tezza has made a business out of sharing her expertise with others. Between the millions of people who are using her photo editing app or her best-selling book or namesake accessory line, she's helping to push other creators to innovate and also to share. I'm thrilled to introduce you to my friend, Tezza. Today I get to sit here with Tessa, also known as Tezza, and I'm so excited for you guys to get to meet her because she's just such a unique, bright, shining star in the world of influence. And you might mistake her as a supermodel if you're looking at her Instagram profile, and her husband is actually the other half of this show. But I want to start somewhere really, really simple today, which is your name is Tessa. Yes. Go by Tezza. Where did that start? Yeah, let's get the background. Everyone always wonders. I never tell the story. So this is an exclusive. But in college, my best friend would just call me Tezza everywhere I would go. So then that became kind of this nickname. And that's when Instagram came out. And I was like, boom, that's my handle. Boom. Next thing you know, here I am. And I actually like like it because it's kind of, you know, my alter ego or just like all of my brand stuff. And then Tessa kind of feels like if you really know me or you knew me growing up. So... (laughs) And where did you grow up? I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. What was it like growing up there? Because it's a very creative place and you're, you're even kind of a louder echo of that. Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, I actually loved it. I mean, if you've been, it's the most beautiful place ever. So just if you're into outdoors and that kind of thing. But I also think there are so many artists and musicians coming out of there. Yeah, I, I loved it. Did you grow up with siblings? I did. I have four siblings. So yes, I'm the second to oldest. I would imagine that you would have some creativity in your family. Tell me a little bit about your parents. I'm super, super lucky. I, my mom is an incredible interior designer, but also entrepreneur. I grew up, you know, she started her business um, right as I was born basically and had five kids and kept building and growing this amazing business. So she was kind of, you know, for me, somebody who, I mean, I always just thought, okay, entrepreneurs, like, let's go. This is how it works. That was my example, you know? Um, and my dad was an art publisher, also started his own business. My grandma was like a famous painter for a little bit. Her artwork is actually, I mean, it's a little outdated now, but in its time, it was really cool. Um, but all my cousins paint and, and, you know, we're just like full of just a bunch of artists. It was really fun. And obviously today you're living in New York City with your husband. But at what point did you leave Salt Lake? So we left three and a half years ago. I feel like I've lived here for 10 years, you know. Well, the city moves fast, so it's just like it, it's a lot. <laughs> but I also did live here when I was 16 for a little bit. So I guess, you know, if you count that. What was a Salt Lake girl doing in New York City at 16? <laughs> Great question. Yeah, my mom was, like I said, just super, you know, open to letting us try different things. And I remember I got really into fashion design and I was got a sewing machine and I was sketching and I was doing all of this stuff. 
And I kind of found out that there were these programs and like fashion school. You know, I didn't even know. I, I was just figuring out what even college was, right? My older brother was only two years older, so it's not like I had siblings going to college. Um, I found this program at Parsons in New York and she was like, you want to go? I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay, go. And I like was just shocked. You know, my dad was also cool with it and he's not quite as, you know, edgy. So I was like, all right, packed my bags and I like lived in Greenwich Village, which I miss. It was so much fun, but I got to go to Parsons and that was really just like such a really cool experience to, to just see like the opportunities that existed, you know? When I was in high school, I did a study abroad program, and I only knew about that program because a girl older than me had gone into a study abroad program. So how did you find out that you could be in high school and go to FIT? Well, I honestly was always somebody that I just wanted to go after my dreams. I know that sounds like cliche, but I would research everything. I mean, I read every magazine under the sun. I had every Teen Vogue you could ever buy. I think I still have them. So hopefully there were something one day. But I just, I can't remember even where I discovered it, but I was researching, you know, all types of schools and like San Francisco, FITM, FIT, everything. And yeah, that, I don't know. I just did some research. It was kind of like back when Google was you couldn't find as much as you can now, but completely. And then did you go back to Salt Lake or I did? Yeah, I, I finished high school my last year and then I ended up staying there for a little bit way too long, but I made my way back. <laughs> so. so what were you doing in Salt Lake? Because I imagine you go to FITM, that would give you just a lot of energy and kind of a, a starting off point for your career. Do you go back into high school or had you finished high school? At that yeah, point? I hadn't finished, um, but I went back and I actually found there was a college program at like a community college in Salt Lake and they had a fashion design thing. So I got to go before school started and I would do that. And I like had runway shows of my own and everything, which was so cool. So I got to really kind of still continue my dreams. But I started playing music, which was something I, I had always played. But my little sister was an incredible singer and songwriter. And she was like, you play the piano. and Why don't we start taking guitar and let's just, you know, see what this is all about. So we got really into it and just, you know, it became like our thing. And next thing I knew, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going to be a musician. Yeah. So we started playing together in a band for like five years or so. And so when I was planning to go back to college, I felt like I couldn't give up on this little thing we had started and I wanted to see where it could go. So I stuck around in Salt Lake and that was kind of really where I mean, a lot of things happened at this point, um, which we can get into. But, you know, sometimes when you have just like this gut feeling in life and those are the moments that I think you really have to pay attention to. Like I would never would have moved to New York if I didn't follow my gut instinct. I had no reason to move here. I, there was no job or anything like that. But kind of a similar situation in college. I was in my first year doing a photography and art degree and in Salt Lake. And I was just finishing my first year of college and my sister unexpectedly passed away, which was like, of course, earth shattering and life changing. And coming from such a big family, it was a huge, huge experience. And looking at it now, of course, that's the hardest thing anyone could go through. But it weirdly turned into this really beautiful experience for me and my family. And were able to do so much in honor of my sister. She was this literal angel. I'm not just joking. She was just like a blonde beam of light that would walk around like everybody loved her. And I was like this dark, moody, like tall girl that everyone's like, she's got to like figure it out, you know? <laughs> so we were kind of opposites, which was, was cool. It was our thing. But 
So when she passed away, it was like I had to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? I had I all of a sudden I had all these plans, I thought, and they just got like ripped out from under me. And so I at that point decided I was going to continue to play in honor of her, of course. And I got my two brothers to join my band as well. And they both were good musicians, but never had written music or anything. And that turned into this entire experience. We started a band called Luna Loon at the time. And we toured and we played together. And it was just, I mean, amazing to be able to play with your siblings. And of course, we got so much better than I probably ever was when I played with my sister. But to be able to do it all in honor of her and, and my parents, I mean, they didn't miss a single show ever. And so it was just a really, really cool experience. And I have recordings of my sister singing still and, and all of that. So it's really special. And we've now actually started... Um, a music therapy foundation, which is called Sophie's Place. And it's in rooms like all across the country. And it's really amazing spaces that kids can record music and leave behind after they pass away. Or they, you know, some kids learn to like walk or talk again through music. And I mean, we come in and they're like, we love Sophie. They've never even met her, you know, but it's just, they're able to feel her spirit in there. And it's really, really special. Okay. So. And how many hospitals are there Sophie's rooms in now? So there are seven and more on the way. It's crazy. It's like they're just popping up everywhere and everybody wants one. It takes like many years to get one actually finished and fully built. But yeah. Oh, what an incredible tribute to her and a way for her to live on in the spirit of all of these children and their families that get to benefit from that. Yeah, it's it's such a beautiful experience. And just to be, you know, everything that I do, I really try and give back to that charity because it's a part of me and my life. So, you know, with all of our products, we donate a percent to Sophie's Place and, and just try and bring awareness to it because I think it's such a really cool cause, you know. So what point did you go from a girl in a band to a photographer to an influencer? Yes, let's figure that out. No, uh, <laughs> I I think like deep down, I mean, I was blogging since forever, right? Like I read everybody's blog under the sun and I knew that was... A job of some kind, but I didn't really get it. And I was, you know, always doing photography because I was photographing my fashion stuff. And then when I started doing the music thing, I was doing album covers for bands and, and really getting to use my creativity there. So that was kind of really, I think I had a following on Instagram. I had a following on my blog and then I wasn't really monetizing it, but I love doing the photography stuff. And I thought, oh, this is a great way to connect with brands. Like through Instagram, I can you know, you can literally DM a brand. I think that's so cool. I, I don't think people realize. Sometimes I'm like DMing the CEO of like, I don't even know, some new skincare brand that I'm obsessed with. I'm like, that's amazing. You have such access to so many people. Um, and I really took advantage of that. That's how I was getting like photography clients. What was the name of your first blog? <laughs> Brainlitter.com. Yes. <laughs> all my thoughts. It was kind of emotional. I think I was like going through stuff in high school. I don't know. Um, this was like more of a journal then. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of writing and like inspo images and, and that kind of like a Tumblr vibe. Yeah. At what point did it turn into by Tezza or Tezza? Yeah. I think like in college for sure. Cause I was fluctuating between like talking about my fashion and what I was wearing and then also talking about photography and like giving people tips and, you know, showing new creative things I was working on. So so in college, I, I kind of made the switch and started going by Tezza. And, yeah. and at the time of brain litter, this was very culturally normative to have an online journal, especially in Salt Lake, would you say? Yeah. Like there's definitely, I think everyone always asks this, oh, are you a part of the like the big blogger scene in Salt Lake? I'm like, no, I'm actually not. I'm a little like young, like not younger, but I just kind of missed the boat. 
wish I was. No, <laughs> no, there are so many amazing bloggers and stuff. And like, I think, you know, I was kind of weird that I had a blog and I took photos of my clothes. People kind of would make fun of other people that did that, or at least my friends. And I was like, okay, just hold up. Let me do my thing. I promise this is going to work out. No, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it took, it definitely took a minute to like feel confident and own what I was doing. I would say. And for a while, you were actually lending your creativity to other huge influencers being behind the camera for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to shoot Amber Filler up back in the day and a couple of other girls. But I and my cousin, actually, she was an amazing blogger at the time. Her name's Charcoal Alley. She still exists. And she was just like this bohemian dream. And we got to be super creative. She and I kind of started doing something that I think nobody else was doing at the time and I really was helping push her content and at the same time we would take photos of me so it just kind of it kind of worked out that way but yeah and then Cole your husband is such a big part of your life and your business and you're very forward with that okay no one knows of a girl who lives in New York City that is married so <laughs> tell true. us it's about true. this story <laughs> I'm sorry for everyone that's not. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's hard though. Like I, if I had to date here, I mean, there are a lot of great guys. My brother's single. If anyone's looking, but I think it's just like hard, you know, with dating apps and everything. But I met my husband at birth. That sounds so weird, but we actually legit met at birth. My mom threw his baby shower. Our parents were best friends. You know, we just stayed friends our whole lives. But then in college, he became roommates with my brother. And they were besties and we started to hang out and then he started to play bass in my band and we were kind of like making eyes, but also like, "Mm, what if this doesn't work out? You know, there's a lot of backlash. I don't know. But then at the same time, everyone was so gung ho. They're like, you guys should date. And it was just like, okay, too much pressure. But so basically we were just best friends. And for like an entire year, we would like go to dinner, but we'd like separately pay. It was just very awkward. Um, But we made it out of the awkward stage. We finally went on a real date and the rest was kind of history. We definitely didn't work together in the beginning, though. He was working in tech and I was like begging him to move to New York City. And he had such a good job. I felt really guilty because I'm like, we're moving to New York for no reason, literally just because I want to. He really wanted to as well. But you know, it's like hard. I mean, it's expensive to live here, especially coming from Salt Lake. It's such a different experience. So anyways, we took the leap. We moved here and it was really scary. At first we like bottomed out our bank account. I think it was, we got like a notification. It was like, you have negative $10. And we're like, okay, love it. Okay. So if you're thinking about moving to New York and you're nervous, just do it. You'll figure it out. Everybody does. That's my advice. But yeah, it's awesome. And we didn't start like full-time working together until maybe two and a half years ago. Before that, he was still kind of working at his other job long distance. So Okay. So he kept his job back in Salt Lake. Yeah. But it was like, you know, he was working half and half. I don't know. It It was a very confusing situation. And I came here and I was shooting like any job I can get like backstage at fashion week or as a photographer, mm -hmm, as a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. And so when Tessa says that you'll figure it out, she did figure it out. You (laughs) actually took so many jobs to make it work here. Yeah. Tell us about some of those. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I was shooting, I would, I would message so many brands. I mean, urban outfitters was one of my first like clients that I think they, I mean, it wasn't like the highest paying job, but one of the jobs that allowed me to show what I could do with my work. We lived in a very tiny square apartment studio and they would send us like all their new home. 
and be like, design it up, decorate it up, take a bunch of photos. We're going to use them for the website and this email campaign. So we redecorated our little apartment probably 10 times in a year. And so was this an influencer project or photographer project? It was like kind of starting to blend. This is when it was like, okay, like you could post about it too. And, and cool. Great. You know, but I didn't even understand like charging. I was just making it up as I was going, you know? So I was doing that. I also shot a lot of bloggers when I first moved here. I messaged some workout brand in Canada and I was like, if you guys just want to send me a bunch of your stuff, I'll like create content for you. So I was just kind of like creating content for people that I was good at that. At least I knew. So yeah. So at what point did your influencer business become the business? It's such a good question because I remember an agency reached out to me and they were like, hey, we would like to talk to you. We represent people on Instagram. It was before the word influencer was even a thing. And I'm like, is this a joke? Like, I thought it was kind of fake. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, interesting. So I went to this meeting and they were like telling me how much I could charge for a post and telling me about my insights and my analytics. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I, at this point, I had just been doing it for fun. So and, you know, kind of using it as a business, but not not in the way that it's used now. So that was pretty soon after we moved here, I would say about like seven months after we moved here. And what um, year was this? Good question. What year is it today? No, um, 19. I think 2015 or 16. Well, so during that period, I think people would say, and this is a question people ask every single year, is it too late? Is it saturated? Mm-hmm. And you've really carved out a very unique space for yourself. I don't think it's ever too late or too saturated because I think we're always looking for something new. And maybe the space that we're in right now isn't going to be what it is in five years. I definitely wanted to be a blogger, right? Ten years ago. I've been posting Instagram photos since the day it came out. So, you know, there are so many like opportunities. And I think the space is moving and changing so much. I would just say, get started. You'll figure out what you're good at and it might translate to other platforms. Or I think even people with a really small following can be super, super successful. I have many friends that are killing it and they don't have that big of a following, just a really niche following. So, so anybody on Facebook or Instagram right now has probably gotten the ads that show the before picture, the after picture, Mm -hmm. it's light and fluffy and airy and it's presets. But actually, you and Cole were really first to this. Tell us what you guys were thinking when you launched the Byteza app. That's like our little baby. <laughs> but I think we were starting with the presets, and it was such a fun space to be in because we were giving other people like their special sauce to you know, have a cohesive feed and, and stand out with their photography. But it was super hard to reach everybody with this. And my husband was like, we should build an app. I'm like, do you know how to do that? And he's like, I think so. It was actually extremely difficult, way more difficult than we anticipated. But for an entire year, yeah, we just, every night we would work really, really late. And because at this time he still had the other job and we were trying to figure out how to build this photo editing app. And we finally did it. And it's still something that's now become such a big part of our business and something that's evolving and we're working on every single day. So That has been like such a fun project, especially because it's combining, you know, what I love to do and also what Cole loves to do. Photo editing apps are something that maybe are more ubiquitous now. But back when you guys launched this app, your filters were your secret. Even my best friends would sit next to me at dinner and hide their phone down under the table to edit their photos because it was that much of a secret sauce. And if you had that really special, super cohesive feed that had a certain look to it, 
you know, I, I can even point to a couple of people that those listening might remember, but, you know, Mary from Happily Gray always had this really beautiful kind of gray and over contrasted feed. And then the Covetour had sort of this like yellowy look to it and, and usually some kind of glowy light somewhere. And there were specific looks for everybody. But at this point, you were giving just the average consumer a secret sauce. Yeah. I mean, I would say like, I didn't anticipate it to go as big as it did. But in a way, I'm really grateful. I think I learned from so many amazing creators that were able that were willing to share their knowledge. And for me, as somebody that's constantly wanting to push the creative boundary, especially even just for myself, I, I it was nice to give it all up and see other people achieve what I had had with that and then also push myself to grow beyond that. I think, you know, as artists, we grow so much more when we share what we know. And like, I honestly believe that I think I would equate a lot of my growth to to being somebody that was sharing and open and, and inviting other people in instead of keeping it a secret. Was there anyone else in your life in the last few years who's been either a mentor to you or someone who's just been a sharer of information that's helped you along the way? That's a great question. I mean, I have honestly so many friends in the industry that I've grown up with. People like Ty French, JC Marie, like I met them when they were like 14. And we all have grown up and worked together in this now. And we constantly are talking and like brainstorming new ideas. And we all started as photographers and are now influencers. So I think there are like some people that we just constantly go back and laugh at like other things we did. Or we're like, this is what we're working on now. You know, what is your advice? Would love some feedback because they're just people that give such honest, you know, feedback. And I'm, I'm grateful for them. So what do you think you've been learning lately as a professional and then just on a personal level? Taking my business from something that, you know, I started in an apartment to something that I want to build into an actual massive brand is something I'm trying to understand. I wish so badly sometimes that I did go to business school or that I understood more about it. I don't think it's necessary, but I personally would love to have that knowledge just to be able to grow and do what I'm doing at a better scale. But I'm, I'm here, I'm learning, I'm asking people questions, you know, so I'm really just trying to like dive into that space because I think it's so cool. So you guys didn't stop at the app. What came next? So we started um, what we like to call the collage kit, which is a series of photos that you can put on your wall and you can decorate your space, you know, however you would like. And I think, you know, you would talk to a lot of people our age or, or even older that used to do a collage wall in their room in college. But that product was something, you know, we started doing it in our apartment when we moved here and people would ask how we did it. And I was like, isn't it obvious? But we decided, you know what, we could make this a product. We have so many cool pictures, like, let's actually do this and sell this. So we did. And it just took off. It really has now become even bigger than it was then. And if you are starting a product and you've never done it, my advice would be keep with it and stay consistent. Because when we first launched it, people were like, coolest idea ever. But it's not like it sold like crazy well. But now, you know, you have to kind of show people things a lot and really talk about them a lot. And now it's like it has a life of its own. So, yeah, you shared with me something the other day that you had learned just sort of about marketing or about reaching people or communicating to people. So the biggest thing I learned through the collage kit was just that you couldn't show somebody the product one time and then they know it. They've seen it. You really have to be consistent. And, you know, we're scrolling through Instagram so much. You see something one time, you move on. I've heard a stat that like, you used to have to see something seven times. And I think it's now like 15. So you really just have to talk about it and be consistent and, and be passionate. Like if you really love whatever you're talking about, like show that. And I think that will really resonate with people. So after Collage Kit, 
I think then came sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. The sunglasses are definitely the next thing and something we're still doing currently. So that's been such a fun project just because really I started in fashion and I love that I get to have this other creative side and give people creative tools, but I wanted to kind of take it a step further and and get into the accessory world. So that's been a great time. With your entire business, you have a 70s vibe or aesthetic. (laughs) And that's definitely actually, I feel like the early stages of like beginning to trend right now, I'm starting to see like 70s haircuts on celebrities. And where did that come from? Or that source of inspiration come from for you? Yeah, uh, my grandma was a queen. She was six one, I'm six feet tall. So I grew up looking at her as my inspo for life. She wore like sequins to a picnic in the park. I don't, she was just crazy and so iconic looking. My mom is beautiful, but much more like chic and, you know, muted. And I was like, that's cool, but I'm going to be loud. You know, when you're tall, you kind of have to own it. And or if you're not owning it, get out there and own it because you feel so much better when you do. So that really was somebody that just inspired my whole style. She was an incredible musician as well. So I kind of look to all musicians actually from that era. That's kind of where I think my style inspiration really started. And you've mentioned your mother before, and certainly your grandmother's an inspiration. But with your mother, you know, you talk about some of the business practices that you saw from her and the way that she had just this willingness to admit that she didn't know things. Tell me a little bit about what you gleaned from her that you are now applying to your own business. Honestly, I've never seen somebody do so well with people. Like she can get a whole room to fall in love with her in five seconds. And I think that's just because she's so caring and invested in what people want. And that's her whole business is, is about how to make other people have a better life and live a more beautiful life. And so that's something I think about every single day, every meeting I take. I'm like, how can I look at this person and help them add to their life instead of just, you know, we're all obsessed with things and doing and, you know, making products and all of this, but what's, you know, the message behind it. And I think she's just such an example of that. If Cole were here with us right now, what would he say about you and about this business? I think we're both equally so passionate about this business. I think he would say I'm crazy and all over the place because I can never do one thing at a time. I'm doing 92 things, but he's really good at being organized. So I think that's why we work super well together. Um, I don't know what he would say exactly. <laughs> Hopefully that he loves me. No. <laughs> I think he would. <laughs> what do your days look like? Mm. I mean, really kind of all over the place. I think we travel a lot and that's f- super fun. But right now we're trying to, you know, stick around, stay home. We have an awesome assistant and she does so much for us. So that's been a huge help. And I think I was always afraid to ask for help because I wanted to be the person to do everything myself. But I've really noticed such a big change in in my growth and like getting more done when I'm able to ask other people for help. And so, you know, that's been a really good change. And, you know, we are real. I try to I go to like to the office at 8 a.m. till 7 p.m. And then I'm probably working before and after as well. But, you know, we try and stick around to a regular schedule somewhat. Yeah, so put boundaries maybe around your work and relationship. Yeah, I think I used to never do that. I used to work till 2 a.m. every single night. I learned that from my mom. And mom, if you're listening, you should quit doing that. It's not good for you, but she loves to do it. But Cole is really, you know, he's every single night. He's like, nope, we're done. We're going to do some stuff together and we're going to hang out. I mean, yes, we still talk about work pretty much 24-7 because we love it. But at least it's not like sitting in front of a computer going, going, going all the time. 
what are some things that you guys are still currently trying to figure out? I think, you know, entering the fashion space in a real way. I know I will do that and I have so many ideas, but I don't want to just do it to do it. I still do design and I'm still like super interested in doing that. I just want it to be meaningful and something that is going to stand the test of time. So I think that's really a space that I'm thinking about every single day. And is this in the context of product? Yes. (laughs) The Tezza account is growing quickly and it has a lot of followers. Has there been any sort of theories or tips or tricks that you guys have applied in order to grow that audience? Um, I think just really engaging with your community, right? I mean, I think there are some people that are just the cool girl and they can just stand there and they get a million likes and a million followers. And I'm so grateful they exist because I like them too. But for me, everything I do is kind of as much as I put in, I get back giving other people products they in return, you know, share. And that's a really good way to grow, I think. We're coming up with, you know, challenges. We did the Bend It Like Tezza, which was a pose that I kept doing. And one of my followers was like, you should make this a challenge. And then that kind of took off. And, like, those little things, I think, really can help you grow. You know, you're you're doing something that other people want to talk about. And I think that's a great way to to have a bigger community and people that are really invested. Your feed is incredibly beautiful. It looks like a fashion magazine. And if I were looking at it and didn't know you, I would think that you were a supermodel and this was documenting your work. Not true, but thank you. Were you ever trained as a model? Uh, no. Everyone always asks me, like, how do you know how to pose? This this is such a question I get and I laugh because I'm like, if you saw me shooting on the street, you'd think I lost my mind a little bit. But I think because I spent so much time on the other side of the camera, I'm always thinking about how it's a looking on the other side so even a girl the other day asked me you know what would be your advice on learning how to pose and I was like get on the other side of the camera and shoot somebody and like try and capture something that you want to see and I think that's a really great way to learn the pictures are so beautiful that I can't fathom them taking less than hours a piece (laughs) so when you guys think about something that you're posting to your social how long does that usually take to be honest it takes quite a long time I think we spend more time than um, we wish we did on, you know, the super creative things. But that's what we do. And that's why we love it. I I will say sometimes I'm like, dang it, I set the bar too high for myself because I can't come up with another thing. But I love that. I think it's so cool that it keeps pushing me every single day. And, you know, sometimes we spend hours walking around the city trying to find something, trying to get inspired. And then sometimes it's like, boom, boom, the shot just happened. It was spontaneous and it worked out perfectly. So I think, you know, everything's a little bit different. What projects are coming up that you guys are starting to spend more time on? We're definitely spending so much more time on the app. Like the app, I could just spend every single minute on the app Um, because there are just so many things we want to do and there are so many people we need to hire probably and all of that so it's it's been such a a fun experience and I love that I think it kind of broke a boundary for me when I run into people on the street I mean I was at a music festival and a cop came up to me and he was like I just got to tell you I love the Tez app I'm like what are you talking about I was literally like on my knees like I've never that was the last person I would have expected and that really just opened my eyes I was like cool okay like if I can get a cop to use my app then we got to get this even bigger you know so yeah how many people use the app um we have over 100,000 subscribers which is awesome and 2 million downloads so it's you know crazy it's growing every day and we're we're just trying to keep up (laughs) it's it's the secret behind Tezza oh yeah I guess we have Android coming soon too by the way I feel like everyone is always asking but it's coming I promise oh it's so exciting (laughs) 
Where all are you publishing today and what can we find in those places? So we have www.shopteza.com, which you can find our sunglasses, our collage kit, our presets, and also it'll take you straight to the app if you want. Um, you can go to the app store and type in Teza app. That'll come up right there. We also have, let's see. Oh, yes. My Instagram is at Teza, T-E-Z-Z-A. And so is my like to know it. You can shop all my looks there. Thanks to this gal. <laughs> and my blog is www.byteza.com. And I am on YouTube, but I don't really post much yet. But we have more coming. We're entering the music space a little bit more. So that's exciting. And stay tuned for that. Tessa, thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything with us. And guys, be sure to go follow her. Check out her app. And more Tessa to come. Thanks so much for having me. To bend it like Tezza and to shop her retro cool style, complete with colorful hues, bold stripes, and sunglasses for every single season, follow her at Tezza MB. That's T-E-Z-Z-A-M-B in the Like to Know It app. The Like to Know It app is the only place where you can go to search for products and get 100% shoppable results, all in the context of the lives of real, influential people who use those products. Search for products like trench coat, over-the-knee boots, stroller, white marble table, and get results from real people who use them. Like to Know It product search gives you an incredible contextual experience that cannot be found anywhere else. Join our community by downloading the Like to Know It app on the App Store and Google Play.